a couple of people today have actually asked me about the, the t-shirts uh, that we're wearing Planting Roots. Uh, we intend for these to be available for all of you because we want all of you to be involved in Planting Roots and like two years down the road because we want it to kind of cover three years. So two years down the road, we want you to open your closet and be like, oh, Planting Roots, that's right. And still be thinking about it. So what we're doing is the shirts are going to be, I think the cost is about five bucks to make. So we're going to sell them to you for five bucks. If you can't afford five dollars, we will give you a shirt because we want all of you to kind of have one. So you, you can all be sporting like me. Although Saban goes, I need five X. And I go, I don't think that's going to be five bucks, but whatever. <laughs> it'll be fine. I think we'll just make them anyway, just so it'll be awesome. <laughs> so now listen to a word I'm saying, the rest of the message. There you go. Uh, welcome to Element. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. There are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Uh, there are sermon notes uh, next to all the communion tables around the room. And in the sermon notes, you will have uh, questions on the back and notes that go along in the center of it. And also, there is directions to all the baptisms as well uh, next to all these communion tables. If you have, you have a smartphone, you download an app. It is called Version. Click on Live in version. It'll bring us up by GPS in your smartphone. You'll get sermon notes and verses and all that goes along with it. If next week there isn't going to be a version because everything is in those journey guides. So starting next Sunday, you're bringing those journey guides with you because that's what we're going to be going through week by week by week. So make sure you bring those because it's really important. At least I'm told we're not going to have notes. So there you go. And I want that to be the thing. So make sure you get a journey guide. Bring it with you next week. And also, if you're starting the devotions and you're not in a gospel community, you start those daily devotions tomorrow. Okay? So you start them tomorrow. Uh, If you're in a gospel community, they will tell you this week what day you're going to start those devotionals because they're going to kind of be staggered from the gospel communities. But if you're not in one, tomorrow. Start the devotionals. Thank you. You're going to be a tough crowd, third service. It's hot. You should be awake, though. Why don't you stand on the reading of God's Word? We'll get started. This is Matthew chapter 6, this is verse 5, verse 7, and verse 9. And Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. He says, pray then like this. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us to be a people who pray to you, that we'd understand what that means, that we wouldn't heap up empty phrases, but that we would say the words that are on our hearts that connect us with you, that we understand it's about building our relationship with you, and that the things that we say and the way our hearts are drawn expand our minds and our hearts and all that we reach out to because of what you are doing in us. Amen. Have a seat. All right, so this is Sermon on the Mount. This is week 29. We are about eight months in. It's been like eight years. No, hope not. All right, uh, just to let you know, after this week, we have 15 weeks left until the Sermon on the Mount's done. What that tells you is you have 15 shopping weeks until Christmas. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're trying to make the Sermon on the Mount accessible and understandable, and that's what we're doing in prayer. We're spending four weeks on prayer. This is week three. Psalm 17, verse 6, the psalm writer says, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. O cl- incline your ear to me and hear my words. That's a standard Jewish sentiment that God hears, that God cares, and that goes for you and I as well. So when Jesus starts his teaching on prayer, he assumes his hearers are actually praying, that they're actually talking to God. Now, our prayers are meant to consist more than just, oh God, please don't let that cop pull me over that I just blew by. 
Dear God, please don't let me lose my job because I spend all my time on the internet at work and not actually working. Dear God, please don't let her or them be pregnant. I'll go live on a hill like a monk. Just please don't let it happen. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray that way. And that I'm not saying God doesn't hear those things. But if, that, but if that's the extent of your prayer life, it's going to be woefully lacking. Your relationship with God is not going to deepen. And this is why last week we talked about the prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer all together. When Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, our focus goes back to who He is in our lives, who He is over the reign over the universe. God is our Father in heaven. Our focus needs to go there first. But prayer also just doesn't happen automatically. And it's probably one of the things that a lot of Christians feel most guilty about. They say like, well, I need to pray more. And we think if we just loved God more, prayer would just start to flow right out of us and it would be amazing. But if you look at Jesus' disciples, that was not the case with his disciples. Now, when Jesus prayed, you see amazing things happen around him. Like there's this event called the Transfiguration. When Jesus is praying in Luke 9.29, and it says, And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothes became dazzling white. Does that happen when you pray? It's like, Dear Jesus, boom, sweet. I go stand in front of the grocery store and ask for money like those guys. No? Tough crowd, tough crowd. No, it doesn't happen. So the disciples look at Jesus, and I think they thought, what if Jesus could teach us to pray like that? What if that could happen to us? And so in Matthew 6, you get to the Lord's Prayer. And so he kind of lays this out. But also, Jesus reiterates the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, after they saw the transfiguration. In Luke 11, they say, now as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think part of that is because of the transfiguration. And you may not realize it, but that's a startling request coming from a Jewish person. Because Jews prayed all the time. They pray all day long. They pray before and after meals, beginning of the Sabbath. And so they're not really asking for words. They're asking for the hunger for it, the understanding of prayer like Jesus had. And so Jesus prayed, you see, continually. It's why the verse I gave you two weeks ago to memorize, which was what? You are just like every other service. Don't feel... Which is? Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17. You, seriously, this is why I think I can preach the, preach the same message every week for a year and you would never know. No one remembers anything when I say it. And so, pray without ceasing. Teach us to pray, Jesus, like you pray. And I think part of prayer is understand that this can become a learned behavior. So today we're going to be very practical again. And I'm going to give you the what, the what, the when, the where, and the how. Okay, the what, the what, the when, the where, and the how. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some stuff to pray for. Okay, so the first what is what is prayer. Now, the first part of, the, the biggest part of any relationship, you need to understand the most important thing in a relationship is commitment. Commitment. I know, I was getting out there just to see if you guys are going to mess up. Commitment. The second thing, which is very close to that, is actually communication. And prayer is simply communication with God. And this may sound really rudimentary, but go with me, and I'll help you to explain this a little bit. I'll give you, take me. I'm a bit odd. I'm a little bit scatterbrained. I've been told by people that they think I don't like them because I will be in the middle of a conversation, I will get sidetracked, and I will walk away. It's not you. It's me. All right? And if I've ever done it to you, I'm really sorry. I will probably do it again. I don't mean to, but it, it might just happen. And that's, that's the thing. I, 
I, I, have, I have a hard time with this because I always want to, you know, tell people what to think. So that's why I preach. I do very poorly if I'm, like, in a group leading discussions and stuff because I do much better preaching at you than, like, talking to you. And this sometimes causes some frustrations for people around Element, like, like our staff and maybe, like, like, some of you. I frustrate our staff and our board because sometimes I just do things. I've always got ideas for this and that and I'm running off and doing this and that. This is why Planting Roots is really cool because our entire staff worked on it together. I, I'd, like, write a bunch of stuff and I'd send it off and everybody would comment. You can't say it like this. You can't end a sentence with a preposition. Is that how it goes? I don't know, whatever. I did whatever you're supposed to do all the time. You know, and they're always changing. I'm like, no, this is why I preach. You can't tell me what to do. You know. <laughs> anyway, we all worked on it together. It, it's great. And people that, that I don't know or don't know me really well, I kind of freak out a bit because of how I communicate and how I'm so bad. And if we didn't have the staff we did, the board we did, the elders that we do, none of you would stay because none of you would get any communication whatsoever. Okay? And it's a problem. I know I'm really trying to work on it. Uh, but by God's grace, I will get better. Uh, did I say planting roots enough? Planting roots. Okay, do the journey, guys. Now, husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. If they stop talking, they start dying. If a man doesn't tell his wife that she is sexy and beautiful and precious, uh, you know, it's like my wife was in last service, and so I said, Mary Ann, you are sexy, beautiful, and precious. And she always hates it when I do that. I'll probably get punched in the arm when I go home. But but you got to tell your wife those things. you got to be mushy. you gotta, you got to say that stuff, or your wife's going to start to think that her husband doesn't really care about her. If you're a woman and you're married and you don't praise your husband for things, your husband will go find somewhere else and do something else that someone will praise them for. Communication is central to a marriage. If you are single and you'd like to be married someday, you actually have to talk to somebody else. That's communication. You know, maybe it's like, well, I'm on the internet, you know, I'm 5'10 and I'm built like Adonis. Click. Here's my picture of the top of my head so you can't see the rest of my body. But you're still kind of communicating in that. You're still typing things out. You've got to communicate somehow. Uh, parents, how about this? If you can't, your kids cannot read your mind, okay? You're, you're welcome, kids, okay? Your, your kids can't read your mind. Your relationship with your kids will not grow unless you talk to them and speak to them. Your kids are going to end up in therapy if you never talk to them and speak to them. Now, kids, you will end up grounded your entire life. If you do not communicate with your parents where you are and where you're going and let them know if you're going to be late and all that kind of stuff, communication. If you own a business or you're a boss or you have employees and you've got to talk to people coming into your business, you've got to let people know what your business does. You can have the best hamburgers in the world and no one's going to know if you don't tell anybody. So why do we think any less for our relationship with God? How do we think our relationship with God is going to develop if we don't take time to actually talk to Him? I mean, God has given us His Spirit in us. He's given us the Scriptures. And so it's not a one-way street. We talk to Him as well. And a lot of people say, okay, I get it, I get it. I just don't know how. Like, there is a proper way, right? There's not a proper way. There are no rules in Scripture way down anywhere for how you have to pray. I'll give you an example. About 10 years ago, uh, we were in Guatemala, helping to get this church plant on its feet, and we're uh, constructing this building with them, and eventually we're able to have this church service. And so we go in, and, and Guatemalan people, they're very nice and happy and, and boisterous, and so you walk in, and say, hi, how's it going? It's great, they're singing songs, everything's wonderful. And someone goes up to pray, and as soon as they get up to pray, the lady in front goes, goes, Jesus! And everybody in the room goes, oh, Jesus! And that's how the prayer went the entire time, right? And they're, Amen! And everybody's like, oh, great. And they're all happy again. And I'm like, well, that was weird. You know? 
It's not how we do it, but okay. In Scripture, there, there are no ways that say you have to do this. There are many ways that say what you can do. Arms outstretched on our knees as we're nine, silent while moving our lips, First Samuel 1, falling on our face, Matthew 26, dancing and singing, Exodus 15, standing and bowing your head, Exodus 12, falling on the ground, Job 1, standing and shouting, Second Chronicles 20, clapping your hands, Psalm 47, bowing and kneeling, Psalm 96, dancing with tambourines and harps in Psalm 149. Please, on behalf of all pastors everywhere, not in the middle of a church service, just be awkward, not just for me, but like for visitors, like, okay, hey, Jesus, lifting up hands, 1 Timothy 2, the list goes on and on and on and on, just talk to him. I think one of the reasons also a lot of people don't think to pray is they don't think it really changes anything. Dallas Willard wrote this. He says, The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. Now, uh, I, I was in one of the gospel classes about a year ago, and one of the people in there asked a question. They, they raised their hand at the end and said, Well, why do we pray if God's who He is and God's going to do what He's doing? Why do we pray? And my response is, well, that's, that's kind of a misunderstanding of prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking to Him. It's not just trying to get God to change His mind and to give us stuff. It is actually communication, developing this relationship. But that doesn't mean that our prayers don't go before God and He doesn't listen to them. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 8, if you've got a Bible. Revelation chapter 8. In Revelation 8, John describes this scene in heaven. And this is after the seals are broken, and the seals is like the story of human sin and violence and judgment. And this amazing thing happens in Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It starts like this. When the Lamb, that's Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then what happens is an angel comes, and an angel offers incense, which symbolizes the prayers of the saints. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And then after that will come thunder and lightning and earthquakes and all that. But these are kind of in response to the prayers of the saints. Now, we think that things on earth happen because things first happen in heaven. And and that's true. But it's also true that when we pray, it seems like all the songs of the angels stop because of our prayers. So they can rise before the Father. They are actually heard and they actually matter. Someone wrote a book called Interrupting Heaven, which is about what prayers go up for in front of the Father. One author said this, the Bible teaches that history belongs to the intercessors. That is, those who pray. It's not the powerful and the wealthy and the rulers or the MSNBC or the CNNs. I mean, some people think what they do on the outside is very, very impressive, but one day all human actions are going to be tossed. They're just gone. It goes to the intercessors. And if you look at what Jesus is doing right now, Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. This is the idea that Jesus, you know, lived 30, taught three, interceding 2,000 years. And as I say, it's not bad to pray prayers in desperation. God loves you, and he will hear those prayers of desperation, even if you've been ignoring him for years. I think desperation prayers are a place where a lot of people's journeys with Christ have actually begun. But I'll tell you, it is not sufficient to maintain your spiritual life. You have to begin to learn to talk to him. That's the first what. So the second what is what should you pray about? Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, everything, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? What should you pray about? Well, what do you think about? What goes through your mind? Well, God doesn't know the stuff I want. I think about. God knows the stuff you think about. Talk to him about those things. We think our thoughts in our, in our minds are so unspiritual, and they are, right? If, you, if, you, if you're younger and you go to school, you think about grades and girls. 
If you're older, it's like, I got to mow the lawn, I got to take care of my spouse, I got to get my kids to this place and that place, and what are my kids' grades like, and planting roots, and, and all of these things. I'm working it in, see? I'm doing good. See? And we sometimes think all these things are so trivial. So what we try to do is to try and pray about, oh, lofty spiritual matters. We're like, dear God, please touch the people in the Sudan. And we do should pray that God touches those people. But, you know, please, and please bring world peace. And please touch all those missionaries. And they're like, all these things that are way up here. But there's always this gap between what you're thinking about and what you're praying about. And so sometimes, of course, you'll lose track, and of course, you'll get bored. In prayer, we're supposed to remove this gap. We pray about what's actually on our hearts. Richard Foster wrote this. He says, We bring ourselves before God just as we are warts and all. Like children before a loving Father, we open our hearts and make our requests. We do not try to sort out the good from the bad. We tell God, for example, how frustrated we are with the coworker at the office or the neighbor down the street. We ask for food, favorable weather, and good health. And you may think that offering God all these kind of trivial prayers seems kind of dumb, but I will tell you, nothing will kill your prayer life faster than trying to pray for all these things that you don't care about or trying to be more noble than you actually are because we're always not that noble. Dallas Willard said this, Prayer simply dies from efforts to pray about good things that honestly do not matter to us. The way to get to meaningful prayer for those good things is to start by praying for what we are truly interested in, meaning pray for what's going on in your mind, what you're actually thinking about, and God's going to change your heart and move you to the place where you naturally begin to pray for places like the Sudan and world peace and missionaries and all that stuff. He said, the circles of our interests will inevitably grow to the largeness of God's love. Many people have found prayer impossible because they thought they should pray for wonderful but remote needs they actually had little or no interest in or even knowledge of. And if you look throughout the scripture, simple prayer is the most common. It's like when Jesus says in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. There is nothing more common than daily bread. It looks amazingly non-spiritual. C.S. Lewis said, in prayer we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And if you look through the scriptures, you see people do this. You have a guy named Gideon who's, who God is sending him out on this great journey to be this judge in Israel. And he, multiple times, God Teach me to trust you. I really don't believe you in this. Can you do this? God, I really don't believe in this. Can you do that? And God keeps, these are just normal, natural prayers. Moses is hilarious half the time when he prays because he's always complaining about his job that God gave him. Numbers 11, 11, and 12, this is what he says to God. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? It's great. He just opened, he's talking to God about what's on his heart. Second Kings 2. Now, Elisha complains because some kids, complains to God, talks to him about that some kids are making fun of his bald head. Amazing. There you go. Natural normal prayers. Real and true prayers come from honesty. And if you're normal, you will go to pray and your mind's going to wander to a bunch of places. Mind does. And if it keeps returning to certain places, well, then it must be important to you. So talk to God about it. I mean, guys, sometimes I pray about things that are amazingly unspiritual. I'll tell you a couple things I prayed about this week. I prayed that some of you would bring some really good cookies to baptisms. I am not joking. I, I prayed that God would convict your heart and soul if you gave my dog beans today. And she farts all night. I will be very upset. And I will ask that the wrath of God be displayed in your life. Honestly, though, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you this. I have been, I've been praying more about planting roots than probably anything that her and I have prayed for in a really long time. Because we want you guys to understand how important it is that it's not about a building. It's about all of us growing 
closer to Jesus together as we move forward, understanding what he's calling us to. So we pray a lot about that. And I think when we begin to deal with things like that, we don't see all these issues as problems, as stepping stones into growing deeper into who God calls us to be and being fully present when we're praying. And so we become what's aware of what's going on inside of us. We talk to God about it. And sometimes it will take a while to get to those places where you pray for those really important things, like the missionaries and the world peace and stuff like that. But it's a place to start. We deal with what's going on in here. It also makes prayer a lot more lively. You will laugh a lot when you talk to God because you realize how dumb you sound sometimes. Because I sound dumb a lot when I'm talking to God. Yes, I guess I shouldn't have prayed about my dog and poop. Okay, so, okay, whatever, God. I think God's like, no, it's funny. It's great. We can talk about it. Okay, number three. So what, what, when? When should you pray? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. That's all the time, all the time, right? Uh, but sometimes you want a more focused time in prayer. So, so you get away from some distractions and stuff. You know, Jesus, like the mornings, I think if God's want, God wants my version of tongues, it'll be grunts and groans if it's the morning because I'm not really that awake and I don't, I'm more like an evening person. Uh, but when are you really present? You take some time, you slow down, you turn off the TV, you set down the book, you turn off the music. And you spend some time talking to him. Henry Nowen says this, When we go to pray, thoughts jump around in our minds like monkeys jumping around on banana trees. So at the beginning of prayer, take a moment to let the monkeys settle down. Take a breath. Focus. Compose your mind for communication. Uh, just like if you're going to talk to your friend and explain something to one of your friends, take a little bit of time to think about it so that you can then share those thoughts. Uh, what, what, when? So where? Where should you pray? There are no rules about where you should pray. You can pray in the car. You can pray right now. Jesus, Aaron's talking a really long time. Please make him hurry up. You, know, you can pray anywhere you want. Uh, Jesus kind of had a setting when he wanted to focus more on prayer that he liked. He'd get away from everything around him. In Mark one thirty-five, it says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. That means an isolated place free of distractions. And there he prayed. Mark 6, 31 and 32, And he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So Jesus is like, you know, if I need to find a place clear of distractions at time to simply talk to the Father. What's also interesting about this is in the Mark chapter 1, the disciples, they go looking for Jesus because they can't find him. In Mark 1, 37, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, like it's a criticism. You turned your cell phone off. What's wrong with you? You're always supposed to be able to get a hold of you, Jesus. What's going on? You know, Jesus wanted a place clear of distractions. Uh, Jesus usually prayed outdoors, you know, gardens and mountainsides at the sea. I think because he created those things and he loved those things. So, you know, where is a place where you can connect really well to him? So what, what, when, where? And the last one is how. Uh, How are you supposed to pray? You're supposed to pray like you're in a relationship with somebody. Because prayer, more than anything else, shows that we have been invited into relationship with God. I think the greatest thing that happens in prayer is our hearts and God's get knitted together. And there's, yeah, I feel like William Wallace when I say this, you know, when you were dying alone, old in your bed, you back for one part of freedom. When you were dying alone, you were old in your bed, you will look back and you will have all these regrets about your obsession with work. You know, the regrets about no time for your family, no time for your kids. Nobody ever looks back and regrets time spent in prayer with God. Nobody. Nobody. And so Jesus' disciples say to him, teach us to pray. How do you pray, Jesus? And so this is Matthew 6, 9 to 13. If you want to, you can open there, but I'm briefly just going to hit those. And it's not necessarily say these words. This is the motive and how we do it. So this is what he says. Our Father in heaven. Okay, you address him, God, Father, Jesus, Lord, whatever you want to say, address who he is. 
You know, it's not that he doesn't know who it's going to, but, but address him. And you don't need to say it a hundred times. You don't need to say, you know, oh, God, I, God, just God, want to, God, go to baptisms, God, today, God, not God, feed Aaron's dog, God. With, you know, he knows his name. I'll just say it once, and that'll help you start to work through it, maybe not have to say it all the time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, so you praise him. You know, God, you are good. And you are holy, and you are righteous, and I thank you for being a God who has rescued me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, show your will in my life. Show me what you'd like me to do. Give us this day our daily bread. Then you start to make your requests, and you start to talk about things. You know, God, there's all these things going on. You know, planting roots is huge. Uh, My friend John Warren, his wife is pregnant again. She's having another little baby. You know, God, knit that baby together in her womb. You know, their first baby, Kayleen, is just the sweetest little girl in the world. She's amazing, right? And so, dear God, please don't give their second child like a midget demon or something, you know? It's just, you know, let it be another really good baby. You know, uh, uh, I don't even know if uh, Jason and Justine Casaro even know this, but I actually pray for them because, you know, they, they might get a couple little girls this week, and so they're working on their house and all these things. So, you know, you pray for those things. You put that there. Uh, then forgive us our debts as we uh, forgive our debtors. You repent of your sins. Now, again, all of your sins have been paid for by Jesus at the cross, but it doesn't mean you don't say, I'm sorry. Okay, God, I'm a knucklehead. I'm really sorry for that. That was dumb. God, I'm sorry for treating my wife that way and in turn treating you that way. And you just say, you're sorry. Okay, you know, in, in that. Uh, lead us, uh, God, so give me guidance and now how I'm supposed to live in this. And what's cool about the Luke verse is, is Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which is praise him again. So God, I thank you for hearing me. And thank you for being a God that redeems all of my life and all my mistakes. And so teach me to live for you. That's, that's the simplicity of the prayer. And now what I want to do with you guys this morning is you, give you some things to pray about. What's going to happen is some people are going to come from the back and they're going to hand out some prayer cards and some door hangers. And these are for planting roots. And so what we'd like you to do with these is whatever door you kind of go in and out the most of your house, like if you park in the garage, you know, and isn't it full of junk, right? And you can actually walk through that door, put it on that hanger so you walk in the house, it's right there, remember to pray for planting roots. If you spend a lot of time in the bedroom, put it on your door hanger in your bedroom. If you spend a lot of time in the bathroom, put it on the door, go to the bathroom. You're, oh yeah, I'm going to plant some roots. Dear Jesus. Okay. Um, one of our elders, Mike Harmon, uh, wanted to do these for all of you, so you have that, and it's, and it's always before you as we pray through this. And then on September 12th, it's a Friday night at 6.30, we're going to do a prayer event, we'll do a couple songs, then we're going to go out, we're going to pray in the field. Uh, you don't have to stay, like, you know, 20 hours, you can stay for as long as you feel like, and then leave. You can come and go at your leisure. We just want all of us together kind of praying for what's going on. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18, the, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. This is out of the NIV, by the way. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so I, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So the first thing that Paul talks about is keep on praying for all the saints. That's each other. So the first thing is you pray for each other. Do you have someone in your life you cannot get along with? Do you have someone that drives you nuts? Do you have a relationship that has deteriorated? The question is, do you pray for them? Do you pray for them? And not, dear God, cut their brake lines or God spoil their milk, right? But you pray good things for relationships to restore. Because believe it or not, the scriptures were given to us not to fight over, 
but to actually show us how to live life in the kingdom of God. The next, the Paul says, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so as we kind of begin to go through this, we'd like you to pray for your leaders and their families. Because when Satan wants to destroy a movement, he takes out the leaders. That's what he does. So I'd ask you to pray for my wife and I, for by God's grace, I intend to be here in this church, loving my wife and loving you until God burns down my house or we're forced to leave because there's no water in California and we become like a dust bowl. Okay? That's my plan. I'm going to give Jesus my life, my wife my life, and you my life. In that order, right there. Okay? So don't think you're more important than her or Jesus. Okay? Now, and like I said, Paul says, you know, pray that your leaders stick always to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you pray for Eric and Terry Jafruti, you pray for Mike and Deb Harmon as your, as your elders in there, you pray for the staff that is here. And if God calls you out of element to go somewhere else, you pray for the leaders of that place as well, that the pastors would always stick to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus, period. It is the good news about Jesus, a story about Jesus. It is one God who came to be near us, who died for his people, who redeemed us, transformed us, and gave us a life, a hope, and a future. It is Jesus. Element is not about a building. It's not just about Reformed theology. It's about Jesus beginning to end. 1 Peter 5 says, Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. He is the senior pastor of Element. He's the one that causes the church to grow and leads us into the future. Christianity is Jesus. And Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so that's what we want to do. We want to lift up Jesus. And by God's grace, we will practice Ephesians 5 and 6, where we are dearly loved children and imitators of God. That's what we want to be. So the third thing is I want you to pray for Element. Element started six years ago with about 35 people. And most of what holds us back at Element, besides my poor communication skills, is the size of our building. We have one bathroom for men and one bathroom for women, and most of the time you can't even get to it. We've got no air conditioning. We're like a woman going through the change. We're hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold all the time. And then I say things like that, and nobody comes back, right? So whatever. We want to be fully a part of what God is doing. What's kind of cool is in John 3, you know, Jesus says the Spirit of God is like wind. It's like wind. So we want to put up a kite, and we just want to go where he has us go. So pray for Element's future home, which is, again, the whole idea of planting roots. we got to be out of here December 2016. Unless God does something amazing, they're going to kick us out. I mean, just imagine this. We've been to a new place, right? Uh, it's going to have about 500 seats. So all your friends can have one at that point. And when we move in there, like the chairs that you guys sit in right now, we bought these used. And they ended up costing us about, we bought 250 of them because there's 167 chairs in this room. And we bought about 250 and they were like $5,000. Okay, that's 20 bucks a chair. Imagine we've been to a place and we actually bought used chairs. We're not going to find used chairs, but imagine we did. At 20 bucks a piece, that's still $10,000 just for chairs. You will be sitting in these. And we might buy some more, and none of them are going to match. Be like, welcome to the element. It's like, I'm going to sit here. I'll sit up here, you know, whatever we can find. (laughs) Things cost money. We don't have any. So also why we're doing planting roots, by the way, okay? Uh, So in all of that, pray for growth. Pray for growth. Uh, Some people will hate this. Some some will love this. Uh, But some people think, you know, oh, a a big church is bad. Some people think, oh, no, a small church is bad. People, for some reason, want to attach moral values to certain church sizes. We, We just do. The issue is never church size. The issue is church health. So you pray for a healthy church. Pray that Element would be a healthy place because you can have six kids and be a good mom and dad and be a great family. You can have one midget demon and your family's falling apart and be horrible. It's all about health. 
we're at the place that God has put us. We're going to go with that. I mean, think about this. Think about this. The early church starts with like 120 people, right? If you went to that church, you'd be like, this is the best church in the world. You know, Mary, Jesus' mom, she's leading the mom's group. She's amazing. She raised that Jesus. He is pretty good. You know, that's great. Peter and John, they're leading the Bible studies. This is great. It, it, it's amazing. Then Pentecost hits and bam, 3,000 people in one day. You go from 120 to 3,120. It's like, holy smoke, what are you going to do? Right? You walk in. They're sitting in my chair. I don't even have a chair anymore. What's, you know how the early church dealt with it? Two gatherings. They did gatherings in the temple, large groups getting together for those 3,000 people in the temple. And then they also met in people's homes. And this is why Element focuses a lot of our energy on gospel communities. You should all be in one because that's how the church becomes smaller because that is still the church. That is how you love on one another. It's how you reach out to. It's how you live out the gospel with each other in these gospel communities. And we want you guys to actually be in those because you cannot have 350 to 400 close friends. You can have 1 to 20, though, and you can begin to do that. And also, in growth, do not live in nostalgia because things that are alive grow and things that grow change. Don't live in the past. If you are 40 years old and still trying to put on your letterman's jacket, Throw it away. Probably doesn't fit anyway. You can't get the buttons closed. Just, just toss the thing. You know, it's just the way things are. Things grow and change. You know, some people I've heard say, oh, I, I miss the good old days of Element. The good old days of Element. When we first started, you had to bring your own lawn chairs. I mean, we stuck a propane heater over in the corner because we didn't have a heater. Like, that was legal. I mean, I mean, think about this, right? Right. We got a propane heater. Everybody bringing their lawn chairs, and you you might think, oh, that'd be a great thing if it was really cold in this room. Wait till winter, okay? And it's like, oh, it's cold in here. That's right. That's right. We got the heater kind of working, but it smells like we're like burning a dog as it runs. But whatever, <laughs> it works. So you know, good good old days. You know, what are those? Things that change grow, and the things in the past move us towards the future, and they prepare us for the future. And so in this, probably the the biggest thing that needs to happen is you guys simply need to learn how to be hospitable. You need to say hi to other people around you. Welcome them in. Well, I don't know if they're new or not. Well, they don't know if you're new or not. Do you know them? Have you met them? If you haven't, go say hi. Well, I've been here a year. Oh, me too. Hi, how's it going? You got something in common. Imagine that. That's amazing. Say hi to people. We have had people try to get us to do all sorts of things for new visitors. Oh, put name tags on them. Like, that's not weird. Name tags on people. I heard about this one church where, where they'd bring in these visitors and they'd have all the new visitors stand up in the room and the entire church would sing a song to them. Like, that doesn't sound like The Exorcist, right? <laughs> We're not going to do that. That's not what we do. We got no, we're not big yellow hats on visitors. Boom! Oh, visitor. You know, we're not going to do that. You just go say hi. You don't recognize somebody, say hi. It's your job. It's your job. Our God has welcomed us. You welcome other people as well. Okay, I got four more, but they'll be really quick. Okay, uh, pray for your city because Element doesn't want to be a church that hides from its city. Uh, we are here because we love the city. We want to seek the prosperity and blessing of the city. We want to be a church for the city. We want the city to see us as an ally and a blessing. So you should pray for your city's elected officials that they would make good decisions and also good decisions for God's people. Pray for the region in which we live because as Element grows, we will touch more and more and more people. Uh, people have asked, you know, what if we outgrow this building that we build? Well, then we're actually going to start planting churches, okay? Because we think that that's important. We don't need to make a bigger and bigger building. We need to actually start planting churches in other areas. And so that's kind of our goal in that as well. Uh, pray about opposition because opposition always seems to come. 
we have done okay so far, but as we make a long-term stake in our city, people will come in that have an opposite agenda. They'll want us to change what we do and do what they want us to do. I will tell you, if anything is opposite the Scripture and what we believe God has called us to do and the vision God has given element, no amount of pressure is going to get us to change. We will not do it. And so you pray against false teachers because in Acts 20, it says to be on guard because men will arise to distort the truth from inside. From inside. The greatest threat to churches is usually internal opposition. Because of friendship or influence, bad doctrine comes up and it creates division inside the church. Our prayers is that we would always stick with Jesus, the scriptures, and together. Always moving forward. And you may not like everything about this building, you know, this or that, whatever is in it. But we center around Jesus first. That is what we're looking towards. And so, we want you to pray. Uh, if, you, if you need it, during the, the sermon notes, you can open it up. All the things I just talked about. You know, you can stick it on your fridge like your kid's bad art with a magnet. Whatever. Like your kid's Picasso, right? Stick it on, yeah, they are. <laughs> anyway. Stick it on your fridge to remember those things. And pray, 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 pray. Don't get discouraged. Pray, 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 because you do not know how many people have been strengthened because of your prayers. You do not know how many people have actually been healed because of your prayers. You don't know how many people come to Christ because of your prayers. You may never know the full effect of your prayers this side of death. So pray, 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 pray. Because our God is good, and He hears those prayers. Are we good? Yeah? Y'all coming to baptisms? All right, three of you. Okay, great. We're taking pictures of all of you. If you don't show up, we're coming to your house. No, I'm kidding. Uh, this is why we come to communion every week. Uh, communion is where you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It's a remembrance and a reminder that our God died to pay for our sin that separated us from him and us from each other so that we can have a relationship again. We can talk to him. We can grow in our relationship with him. And so we bow all of ourselves before him. And communion recenters us and reminds us to do that. The band's going to come up. As they do, uh, we're going to sing a couple songs. As we sing those songs, we some deacons and elders in the back. And if you need prayer, they would love to pray with you. I mean, maybe you're still in a place like, I still just don't know what to say. Maybe they could help you even begin to start to talk to him. If you need prayer for something in your life, they would also love to pray for you about those things. There's offering boxes in the sidewall in the back. And we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is simply part of that worship. So you have the opportunity every single week. We don't pass a plate. It's a response to what he's done. And then there's also a little bit of food in the back. Don't eat too much because you're going to come to baptisms. And we got chicken and beans and bread and soda and all the stuff that you're bringing. And so we're going to eat that. So just grab a little thing, meet some other people, and talk. Everybody, everybody, after, just talk to everybody like, hey, you come to baptisms? You come to baptisms? You come to baptisms? Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah, I'll pick you up. I'll give you a ride on my bicycle. You're on the handlebars. I'll take you over. Talk, get, get people, and then hang out with them when you see them there. If you're at baptisms and you see someone you don't know, it is no better place to walk over and get to know somebody. They can't get away. It's great. You don't have to hop in the pool or anything. If you have kids, bring them with them, hop in the pool. It'll be great. It's a lot of fun. But we, want, we always want to do these things to grow our community. And I was, I was talking to Michael about this a little bit ago, and I said, you know, what if we grow to the size where we're, we're kind of really big and we can't fit like in my backyard anymore? And well, you know what we're going to do for baptisms? We're going to like rent Paul Nelson Pool or something. We're, or, is that what it's still called? Okay, you know, rent like the pool, so we can all get together because we think it's really important to get people from first service, which you guys never see, <laughs> and you guys all together in one place, so you can get to know each other. 
Uh, I mean, God intends for our community to grow, so we know who we're praying for. And you pray for people outside, those other people know, you pray for them. And then God starts to give you heart and a burden for all those people that you don't even, that you don't even know. You pray, 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 pray. Because our God is so good that he has first communicated to us, blessed us, loved us, and then we love, bless out there. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us to be a people who pray who understand that it is talking to you and spending time with you and honoring you, that you are the God who has stretched forth the entirety of the universe that we can even comprehend. And that same hand that stretched forth the heavens has been stretched forth to us in relationship. And so today, teach us to be a people who talk to you about everything, even those things that we really want to hide from you, because that's probably the best thing to start talking to you about. We ask that you would take our hearts and our minds and our wills and you would bow them all to you. That we would grow into knowing you more and more and more because we actually take the time to spend our lives with you. Take our hearts, take our lives. Remind us all the time to pray unceasingly that all the things that are happening to us, all the things that are going on around us, to constantly come back to the center of our Father in Heaven and to live lives that fully reflect that. We ask this in your Son's gracious and good name. Amen.